Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit foundationcitrusheights.com. Wow, thank you for the worship team. I don't know where you are now, if you're dispersed, but thank you. That was just, um, my heart is so refreshed. That was such a gift to be with you guys in worship this morning. Um, so we see here, yeah, the Difference Makers. Um, I don't know what happened to the slide there, but um, yeah, Difference Makers is the campaign that we're doing. If you look back here, there's some action kits um, back behind you to on this side. And so they have uh, some just fun stuff in there for you guys, like a bracelet, some candy. So if you want to grab one on your way out, it's our gift to you. But it also has a paper in there um, here that shows the different holiday kits different ways you can serve kids and families. And as Emily said, this church has said, hey, we'd love to do the baskets for caregivers. And the way that you do that is you just scan the code here and you go on and sign up and they're just themed baskets. And it'll have directions on there of how to do it. And they'll be talking about it more between now and December 4th. Uh, You guys will be doing the caregiver baskets. You can do it in your, I believe it's called discipleship group, right? So if you guys want to do it as a discipleship group or just as a family, it's a really great way to show a family who stepped in that they're not alone. Um, We also do toys for the kids, but a lot of times we think about the kids and we don't always think about the parents who are caring for the kids. And we want to show them that they're loved, they're supported also. And so, um, and I think the next slide is just the caregivers. Yeah, baskets. I hope that's not, okay, all the slides. Oh, yep, there's the title. So um, today I'm going to be speaking on the, what's that? Yeah, that's fine. We can leave it there. We're all learning together this morning. The Unexpected Gift of Lament. Um, And I titled it The Unexpected Gift because I think the word lament um, sounds heavy. It doesn't feel like a gift. You're like, why did I come this morning? <laughs> We're talking about lament. Um, but I really do believe that it's an invitation from a good father who, um, who really wants to reveal himself more. And it's in his kindness that he gives us this invitation of lament. And originally when Emily asked, it's, it's November. November, um, who, you might not know this, but it's National Adoptions Month. And so as somebody who's passionate about foster care and adoptions, originally I was like, perfect. And we talked and I was like, I'll speak on the gospel, because I, well, like, I love the gospel, and it's our adoption story. Like, we were once far away, and we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Like, what greater story than the gospel to talk about our adoption, and out of that place, our responses, open hearts and open homes, and, you know, so that's, like, one of my favorite things to speak on. It felt so natural um, in November for National Adoptions Month, but what I've realized as I was pressing in and just praying through it is, one, the holiday season is complex, it's like there's so much joy, so much, so much fun stuff, but also it's, it's, there's some sorrow tied in with it, if we're honest, right? Like there are some hard things about the holidays for, I think, most everybody. Um, and I work with vulnerable kids and families. I do a lot of mentoring of foster youth who have hard stories. And I have a lot of, and just my neighbors and friends right now, just human beings in this world are walking through hard things. And, and in that, the question that I hear a lot is how do you hold on to hope in the midst of what is hard. How do we do that? And so in that vein, just coming and saying, I I believe that it's this. And I just want to say too, even before we jump in, I see the Kaiser family doing that, like holding on to hope. The way that, that Emily and Greg have just demonstrated the gospel in their home, in this house, and in this community is such a reflection of their strength and their trust in Jesus. And it's just such an honor. Emily, I just, I am so, um, 
You said that I've been an encouragement. I'm so encouraged by you and your family and your faith, and especially in this season, just seeing um, your steadfastness and how you hold tight to Jesus and hold on to hope um, is such a gift for all of us who walk this with you and our hearts are with you. Um, so let's, can we pray? <sighs> Father, we just thank you, God. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that your presence is with us, that you're Emmanuel, that you're God with us, that you desire to speak. God, we thank you that you care about the details of our lives, that you're not far away, that you are, oh my God, that is near. And Jesus, we need you. And we need you. We thank you for your love, your provision, your kindness. God, we thank you that your goodness does chase after us every day of our life, God. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and that you would do a work, God, that only you can do, God, that you would give us revelation, God, give us understanding. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I heard somebody say once uh, that one of the most significant things about a person is what they do with their pain. Um, excuse me. So if you don't mind me getting a little bit for like three minutes. I'll get a little bit personal. Is that okay? Okay, thank you. Um, so in 2019, this is pre-COVID. Do you remember pre-COVID? <laughs> 2019. That's how like the world will be defined now. So pre-COVID. Um, summer 2019, it was July. Uh, my dad passed away. I was also transitioning jobs. So I was moving from, I was in ministry, as she mentioned, for seven years. And I loved my job. And ministry is often like family, right? So you're like, this is your job. It's your calling but it's like your family. So I was transitioning jobs, feeling called to this new role where I get to help mobilize churches for kids and families. And so I was leaving my church, but also my family, right? And my job, um, my dad had passed away. And, and that was like this month where he was in the hospital and it was, um, yeah, a really challenging season. And then I ended up, I moved in with my mom for six months to help her in that transition time. Um, and so it was just a lot of moving and loss and transition. And I just kept moving through it, trusting God. God is, he works all things for good, right? That's Bible, that's true. And that, so I was like, God is good, he's working all things for good. And by January, I had like a twitch in my eye <laughs> and I had like some sleeping issues, some pretty consistent migraines. Um, and my body was like really not in line with my head and my heart. And I was like, there's a disconnect here. Like, I'm like, God is good. Like, how do you say it? God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good, right? Um, but my body was not coming into alignment with my mouth. And I was like, something is wrong, right? And I know enough, like going back farther, like 10 and a half years ago, and this is another story for another time, but the Lord delivered me from addiction to drugs and alcohol. And so like miraculously, like God still heals and delivers, right? We know that we serve a God of miracles. And so because of my past though, I know that like when I have a disconnect like that, I need to take that seriously. I'm not just going to keep on trucking. I'm like, oop, that's like uh, probably a red flag. I should probably honor the fact, like be alert and sober-minded, right? That my head and my body, like I'm, there's a disconnect. So I, I made the decision to go to counseling. I don't know how I got this far in life without ever <laughs> stepping into counseling. But I go to counseling. I find a good Christian counselor that I really like. I go in, I sit down, I tell her all the things. Like, I basically... I do enjoy talking. So I just talked for like an hour. That's what they get paid for, right? So I talked for like an hour. At the end, she says, I see what we're doing here. I was like, oh, good. Tell me, tell me, you know? And she said, this is grief work. 
At which point, like I had made it through all of it without a tear, right? At which point I just lose it, all the tears. And she said, you haven't grieved anything your entire life. She said, you went from avoiding pain through drugs and alcohol to just denying pain, like in your faith. Like you became a Christian and then you just pretended everything was okay, even when it wasn't. Because it's true that God works all things for good, but things still hurt. Pain still exists. And, and the reality is God doesn't ignore our pain. The Bible has a lot to say about our pain. It's all throughout Scripture. So today, as you see, the unexpected gift of lament, I want to do three things. I want to talk about what lament is, why we lament, and then what the gifts are in lament. Because I believe that God, he, know, he already knows, like the, the Bible says he knows the hairs on your head. Like you're so intimately known by the Father. He knows the situation that you're sitting in. He knows everything. And he has an invitation to meet us. And I believe that this is the invitation. So as working with the Alliance, um, part of what I do is mobilize churches. The other part is I get to do trauma trainings with families who have kids from hard places. And so when I do that, we talk about how trauma impacts the brain and body and biology and all that. But um, I love it because I love seeing how God wired us because science and Bible interact perfectly together, right? Some people think it's like one or the other, and it's like, no, they like perfectly interact. So I love seeing how God created and wired our bodies. Um, but God has actually wired us with, to build trust through secure attachment. So you can go to that slide. Here we go. So this is the attachment cycle. I, this is like the slide that we use in trauma trainings. Um, so this is a baby has a need. He cries. The need is met. Trust develops. That happens hundreds of times a day. And you can imagine, right? Dirty diaper. I'm hungry. I'm cold. I'm afraid. Um, you can fill in the blank hundreds of times a day. But in that process, it's actually the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system that is setting a biological foundation in that child for trust. And when that doesn't happen, um, there's insecure attachment. But let's say that happens well. That's secure attachment. I heard a definition of lament that is a prayer of pain that leads to trust. Lament is a prayer of pain that leads to trust. So can you see how it resembles this? Because your attachment style goes with you in the future. It goes with you into your friendships, your marriage, your relationships. How you attach as a child is significant. And a lot of times how we view, you know how they say how you view your heavenly father, uh, how you view your earthly father can translate to your heavenly father, right? So think about attachment, that we have attachment to God. In other countries, uh, there are orphanages where there's, I've heard of these, like what, 50 babies in a room, but you can walk in and hear a pin drop. It's like eerie. You shouldn't be able to, right, with 50 babies in a room, but it's because they've learned that crying doesn't get their needs met. So they've stopped crying. We all have pain, but it's the pain that we don't talk about that slowly erodes our faith. It's a pain that we've become silent about. In Romans, and I think an assumption we can make even about this room is that everybody has something they're walking through, right? To be alive in this world, we're after Genesis 3, right? After the garden, like this world is invaded by sin and brokenness. And so whether you're walking through something right now or somebody you love is, or there's somebody who may not be, at your holidays this year, something, there's something challenge, um, a job loss, a financial situation. There's just hardship living in the world after Eden. 
Romans, in Romans, Paul says this, not only so, but we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. So how do we get from suffering to hope? I think that it's complex. <laughs> like, I wish there was like a, a perfect solution, like a math equation for that. I think it's different for everyone, but I think a huge portion of that road is paved with lament. I think that's for all of us. I think that some people think to lament um, is like kind of a lapse of faith. Like if they're really honest with how they feel about it, they're like, it feels like a lack of faith. But I actually would say it's an expression of faith because the first part of lament is to turn to God. And turning to God is expressing faith, right? In Hebrews, it says that faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So just coming to him is expressing faith. So what is a lament? There's four parts to a lament. If you break it down, first part is turn to God. That's the expression of faith, right? So we turn to God. Also, I'm going to have this um, hand out for you guys afterwards. If you guys want some of these, will be on there um, if you're a note taker. But turn to God. And then the second part is bring your complaint. This is the part that most people have the most discomfort with, if they're honest. Um, I was talking to a, a guy about this once, and he was like, I just am really uncomfortable with like basically all of the David Psalms, where he's lamenting, and he's like, I feel like it's like I shouldn't be hearing that part of a guy's conversation with God, like, like it's like a private thing, you know, almost like there's shame kind of attached to it, and I can understand what he's saying. I think it's something that in our culture isn't really talked about, but you bring your complaint, or kind of that, who am I to complain to God, like the creator of the universe, like how dare I, but he knows our hearts. He knows your pain, right, and then ask boldly, Ask boldly, make a bold request, and then choose to trust. It doesn't say feel trust, like, right? Trust is not an emotion. It's a choice. We choose to trust. Here's Psalms 13. Psalms 13 is only six verses, and it's a really classic, just lament from David. Ooh, is it hard to see? If you guys can see that. Um, but he says this in Psalms 13. How long, Lord? So he's addressing God. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So he's complaining, right? He's a, his complaint towards God. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And then here's his bold request. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. And then often there will be a hinge word in a lament, like but or yet, when they turn in trust. And he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Lament is it's a f very familiar in the persecuted church. In East Asia, the historical African-American church, lament actually was like a part of corporate worship. Like lament, and that's not something that we are very familiar with in the Western American church, right? I don't know if you guys have seen, 
I haven't heard many messages on lament. Or have you guys heard of like prayer models or mostly, have you heard of the ACTS model player? A-C-T-S. It's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That's how I learned to pray. Um, And I love it. I think ACTS is an incredible model of prayer, but it doesn't give an avenue for pain. Um, A third of the Psalms are actually lament. And the word Psalms in Hebrew means praise. Which I'd have to say then, wouldn't that be praise? Wouldn't a lament still, because it's addressed to God, you're bringing your authentic heart and you're saying to your father, I trust you with this, because you end in trust, it's praise. And kids naturally know how to lament, right? A child knows how to lament. You tell a child they cannot have seconds on ice cream and they are like, why have you forsaken me? Like they like, can lament, like they're just skilled at it. Um, I heard somebody say the loss of lament has been costly, but there's much to gain in recovering it. And that's what I really believe with all of my heart. The last few years, God has been doing just a deep work in me um, and teaching me this. And I just, I believe there's much to gain in recovering it. So that's what lament is. So why do we lament? And as I said, I'm going to go through passages that will be some from the Old and New Testament. And, I, and the reason is, um, from cover to cover, we see lament. And I don't think it's something we get opportunity to talk about much. And so I wanted to just illustrate that it is from cover to cover in Scripture. So, uh, like I said, there will be a handout at the end with some of these. If you want to take it home and for application or anything. But so why do we lament? For three reasons that I see in scripture we lament. The first one is over personal sin. We lament because we're sinners. Like my selfishness, my pride, my envy, I lament because I'm first because of my own sin. Because of my sin that put Jesus on the cross, I lament. And here we see a, a lament of David. And this is a pretty big sin he committed though. You might argue this is a big sin. Um, this is his sin with Bathsheba. So he had an affair, if you knew the story, and then he murdered a man. And so, but with sin, any sin is sin, right? All sin, anything that put Jesus, anything that falls short of the glory of God is the same in the eyes of God. So sin is sin. And I think that's important for us to remember because we're like, oh, it was a little, no. Sin is sin and we lament sin. Um, but he says this in Psalms 51, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You take no pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken heart, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. And then we lament, second, over personal suffering. Sometimes our lament has nothing to do with, with sin. It is, it's your neighbor's sin, or your husband or wife's sin, or your parent's sin, or it's Adam and Eve's sin. It is the fact that we live in a world that is marred by sin. And so you suffer. You know, you suffer the result of that. And so we lament that. And that's what David is doing in Psalms 13. When he said this that we went over earlier, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David here is, that is a personal suffering lament, not a result of his sin, but everybody here has been affected by the sin of the world. Or it could just be an illness or something where it's a job loss, a financial thing, where it's a general fallen world issue. And then we lament over a broken world and corporate sin. 
The shortest verse in the Bible was, Jesus wept. And when he wept, he wept over Jerusalem. He lamented, right? Here in Habakkuk, Habakkuk says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. In 2020, during the like riots and the, it was, the, remember the, you guys remember? It's crazy. It feels like it was so long ago. Um, it's hard to, it's hard to even wrap our head around sometimes how our nation was at that moment when everything was shut down and then everything was, I mean, there was like fires and riots. And I just remember I was studying Habakkuk and I was reading this and I was like, this feels so relevant. This feels like it could be written today to this, this world right now, today. Like how long, like destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. And I just remember resonating in my soul and being like, Lord, how long? Like this is so broken. And thinking about like working, how I work with vulnerable kids and families. Like there's so many kids and there's never enough homes. And there's so many, I just had to like lament it and bring it to God and just say, how long, right? But Tim Keller says this, and this was a pivotal thing for me. This was huge for me. He said, we need to grieve sin more than we grieve suffering as sin was at the root in the garden and is what leads to suffering. When I say, because I, I feel like I say this a lot. Well, the world's broken, right? We live in a broken world. But somehow how that translates just for me in my spirit is like, it sounds like a manufacturer problem. Like when something's broken, you're like, it's broken. Like my sister works at Costco. You're like, you can return anything there. <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> so you just return it. Like, I'm like, the world's broken. I'm like, fix it, Jesus. You know, like you made it. Like it's broken, fix it. And so, but when I remember that it's sin, it is a result of sin that changes things. When I realize the gravity of sin, the greater the beauty of the cross becomes, right? When we lose the reality of sin, we lose the beauty of Jesus. And when I don't lament, I begin to blame God for the suffering around me without really realizing it. I start to slowly blame God for what is broken, whether in me or around me. But I do believe there is much to gain in, re in recovering lament. So there's six gifts that I want to share. The first one is faith. Here's that attachment cycle again. So trust is what develops when that baby has that needs met every time, right? Trust. Another word for trust could be faith. I trust Jesus. I have faith in Jesus, right? So as I continually bring my pain, trust develops. David said, evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. A marker of secure attachment is I believe I have a voice, and my voice will be heard. I feel like David was securely attached, he kept coming back, and he always landed in that spot. Um, I trust in your unfailing love, right? Often in his Psalms, he landed in that spot. And I remember a season um, where I was asking God for greater faith. Like, God, I just want to take you at your word. Like, everything you said, I want to just, like, believe it and, like, take you at your word. And, and I was like, you know, you think it's going to be some big grand thing, right? And this revelation that I had was it's often not in the big grand thing. It's in the daily turning with the small thing, with the pain, can you bring me your pain every day? The pain of the child that you're working with, the pain of, because I carry all these stories and I'm like, but what about them? You know, but can you, in, in, in every turning, as I do that, 
what develops? Faith. The faith for the big things happens when I turn because part of that process is you turn to God, I complain, but then I boldly ask, right? And then I choose to trust. And so for me, when my prayer life gets a little quiet, I know it's because I've lacked, usually, lamenting. The next one is comfort. Comfort. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. And compassion means to suffer with. I think that's significant. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so there's an expectation here that we're going to suffer, right? Just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds in Christ. But there's also an expectation of comfort. There's an expectation of comfort. I remember a season where before my dad passed away, he was having health issues and my mom was also, so we were in the, the doctors in the hospital a lot. And I remember we were at the ER one time and I was with my mom and dad. I don't remember who was being seen, but ERs are the worst, right? And they, they're like just so much pain in there. And then they, you have to wait for like ever. It feels like you're in there so long. And I just remember we were in there. It's like 25% full. It's 50% full. It's like filling up, right? Till it's like packed and you're in there for hours. So we're in there for all these hours. This room has filled up to where it's like crying babies and families. And this guy's like bleeding everywhere. And you're just like, and the weight of the pain of the room, I was like, I need to get out of here for like five minutes. You know, when you just have to escape what's happening around you. And so I was like, I'm going to go get a drink from the cafeteria. You had to go outside and around. So I knew that I could get out. I just needed to get out. (laughs) So I go out and I get outside and we'd been there so long that there was like 50 people outside. And this is before they had tents and stuff, right? We're pre-COVID again. Um, Before tents, before all that. And there was like 50 people outside and I walked outside and I was like, I can't, I was just, I could not believe it. I go around the corner and I'm like, what is happening? I look like probably a mat. I hope nobody saw me. <laughs> but I literally just threw up my arms and I was like, what is going on, God? Like, dude, like everything is not okay. You know that song we sang earlier? Like, it is well with my soul. And I was like, it is not well. Nothing is well in my soul. <laughs> like, this is very broken. Do you see your children? Like, there's kids crying everywhere. And like, I just had this moment. I think it was my first real lament. And in that moment, I felt God's spirit just like, so subtly just say, I know. Like, why do you think I sent Jesus? Like, he's not unaware of our suffering. He's not aloof. He's not far off. And in that moment, just that simple I know, um, strangely enough, gave me so much comfort. And I think that was honestly the first time I kind of like blew my top. (laughs) And, And in that moment, what he gave me in exchange for that was comfort. And then rest. Rest is the next one. And I love it in the Bible. If you have a red letter Bible, when Jesus speaks, it's in red. And I love that because you're like, it's Jesus. I love it when Jesus comes on the scene. It's always really good, right? I mean, it's all, the, all the Bible's really good, but I love Jesus. Uh, and so this is Jesus speaking. And so if you want, you can do this. Close your eyes and listen. And just imagine Jesus giving you this invitation. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's an invitation to rest. And Jesus says this, Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke 
upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's Jesus. That's our Jesus. It's a divine exchange. He's saying, bring me your burden. Bring me that grief, that pain, that sorrow. Bring it to me. And in exchange for that, I will give you rest and hope. We get the gift of hope. We're back in Habakkuk. Habakkuk was like, everything is terrible earlier, right? (laughs) He was like, this is a disaster. And now in Habakkuk 3, he makes a bold statement. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes in the vines, so it still looks pretty bad, um, though there are no crop, though the olive crop fail and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, then he gives us a hinge word. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Habakkuk went from suffering to perseverance to character, to hope. And his road was definitely paved with lament. And then we receive revelation, this gift of revelation. So, so Job. Job had a pretty rough go at it. Uh, Job lost everything, right? Job was a good God-fearing man, and he lost everything. And that's a hard one. He lost his family, his health, his livestock, everything, and he laments. Job laments. But we get to the very end of Job, chapter 42, and he says this. This guy knew God. He wasn't like a heathen, right? He knew God. He says this. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. There's a place of revelation that's deeper, for all of us. There's an invitation to see the Father in a new way. There's more. There's always more. That's what I love about God. There's always more. There's always more. He saw God in a different way. And the last one is resolution. God answers prayer. How many of you know that God answers prayers? You guys, I, could, I know you know that because you guys took time for prayer before this. You had people come up and receive prayer. You're a people of prayer here because God hears and it's not just about learning who he is and, and encountering his face. It's about that too, but it's about a God who hears and who answers prayers. And, and Samuel, Hannah could not have kids and she wanted a baby. She goes to the temple and she is like, I mean, very paraphrased, but basically like a mad woman. They're like, is she drunk? Like what's going on? She's grieving so much that the people are like, What's happening with this woman? And Samuel, 1 Samuel 1 says, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. Sometimes lament looks like turning to God and weeping bitterly. That's, and, that's, and that's worship. And that's acceptable to God. And then it says in verse 27, I prayed for this child and the Lord granted me what I asked of him. So she, she made a bold request. She brought her pain to the foot of the cross. She expressed it. She made a bold request and God responded and he answered that request. He gave her a child. And he doesn't, and he's not a genie in a bottle, right? We know that. 
It's not that we get every single thing in our timing that we ask for, but he's a good father who knows every detail about your life, who cares about you immensely. We can just look at the cross and see evidence of that. So we lament because God answers prayer. The danger when I don't lament the brokenness in me and around me is that it erodes my belief that God cares intimately about the details of my life. And it stunts my ability to walk with others in their pain and in their suffering. Paul Miller said, We live in a deeply broken world. If the pieces of, this, of our world are not breaking your heart and you aren't in God's face about them, then you're becoming quietly cynical. You've thrown in the towel. We're called to pray, now Jesus taught us to pray, right? On earth as it is in heaven. And there's a gap. You guys know that? There's a gap between <laughs> heaven and earth. And in that gap, we lament. We lament the gap because, because we, we set our hearts on who God is, his character. Because we anticipate his goodness. When it's not good, we lament. We anticipate healing. So when there's no healing, we lament that. And we bring it to God and we say, God, I'm just, I'm just expecting you to be who you say you are. So we lament the gap. Some people, um, they say, I don't know how you do what you do. Like, I could never do, or I could never do what you do, because with foster care, with adoptions and things like that. And I don't know either, to be really honest. My heart breaks all the time with the youth I work with, with the families, with the stories. And this is what I've realized over the last few years. And I'm so grateful for God showing me the graces and lament is that if I don't lament, I can't continue to do this. Some of the highest burnout rates are social workers and pastors out of all professions. And I think it's because of the stories they carry. And if we don't continually bring our pain, and I would say that in this world, especially just as we continue moving forward as a world um, and things are increasingly challenging, everyone's carrying stories. And as we're going out, and I heard earlier um, the gentleman who was leading in prayer saying that you guys are called to be a light like in this area, um, out here, and as you guys are pressing into the places around here and being a light, you will encounter brokenness. We're called to bear one another's burdens, right? And as we do that, we also carry their pain. And as we do that, and we bring it to Jesus, it keeps us soft before him. And what it makes room for is hope. It makes room for greater love. It makes room for compassion. Because what it, we have pain no matter what, but to lament properly positions your pain. You're giving it back to Jesus, right? So all that does is make room for greater hope, greater faith, deeper love. So today my application for us, because I think to hear our word, if we take it and just take one thing and do it this week, this would be my encouragement to you, will be to take five minutes a day this week, just try it for one week of silence. If you already do some silent time, maybe increase it. And if you don't, five will be a big stretch because <laughs> silence is hard. Silence is really hard. This could be in your car. It could be at your kitchen table, whatever. Five minutes of silence. Ask God to show you where the pain is in you or around you. And he'll answer. He's super good like that, <laughs> especially these challenging questions. And then when he does, lament and see what he does with that. See what he does with that. John 16, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Our confidence is in Jesus. He's already overcome the world. He has an invitation for us today for deeper and greater intimacy and a way to walk even with others in their pain, in our pain, in greater ways. And I would also say, ask yourself another question, if you like challenges, if you're that extra credit person, here's your extra credit. Um, Where have you grown silent, like the orphanage? Maybe there is something that you still care about, but you haven't prayed about it in a really long time. Maybe that's an invitation to lament. Maybe God wants to speak into that. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. God, thank you that you just invite us to bring everything to you, God, and that you're so kind to meet us, God, that you already know that you are a good father. Thank you that you're a father that speaks. God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts today. God, that you would give us a greater understanding of who you are. God, that any pain in our hearts, God, that you would address it. That you would lighten our load. God, we just receive those gifts today from you. Hope, rest, faith. Father, we just, we trust you, Jesus. We turn and we trust God, I pray for every person here as they walk out, God, that you would encourage their hearts, that you would remind them of the love that you have for them, that you, your goodness is chasing them every day of their life. God, would you remind us every day of what the gospel means for us. God, we trust you. God, we pray right now, God, as a congregation, we pray, God, for Greg. God, we pray full healing in his body. God, we pray full healing full healing. Jesus, we thank you that you're a God of miracles and that you can heal and restore. God, we ask for provision for this family. God, we trust you in all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.